0: The Insights Idaho Department of Finance communicates department news and perspectives to aid consumers in making educated financial decisions and to inform both industry and consumers of regulatory and consumer
1: protection issues. Hello, welcome to the third episode of Insights. I'm Celia Kenny, Consumer Affairs Officer with the Idaho Department of Finance, and I'm excited again to introduce our speakers for this segment of our two-part series, highlighting Idaho state chartered banks. Today we will hear about how this industry has transformed over time and how the benefits that banking locally extend to you as Idaho consumers, to local businesses, and to Idaho communities. With us to cover this topic, we have Salvador Cruz, Financial Institutions Bureau Chief of the Idaho Department of Finance, and Trent Wright, President and CEO of the Idaho Bankers Association. Trent has served as president and CEO there since 2015 and also serves as chairman of the City of Eagle Planning and Zoning Commission, the American Bankers Association Credit Task Force, and the Boise Metro Chamber Financial Services Industry Advisory Board. Before this time, Trent served as top executive for the Idaho Automobile Dealers Association, working as a government affairs director and lobbyist for the Ada County Realtors Association, as well as serving as a legislative assistant in Washington, D.C., I am very excited to be here with uh, Trent and Sal today, and I appreciate both of your time and sharing valuable information with our listeners. Uh, with that, I'll go ahead and transition to you, Sal. Please take it away.
0: Thank you, Celia, and thank you, Trent, for taking the time out of your day to, to be with us. I know that uh, you're very busy and you have a lot of things going on, and we appreciate your time. Uh, it, it's kind of interesting. I. Listening to your bio, you, you're well accomplished and you have a lot of things that, that you've done for in several industries, uh, most recently the banking industry. Uh, one, one point on, on my bio, I'm the Financial Institutions Bureau Chief. and I'm responsible for banks, credit unions, and trust companies in Idaho. And uh, today we really wanna highlight the value of community banking and state chartered institutions in Idaho and to help me tell that story uh, today we have Trent Trent uh, let's go ahead and just jump into this can can you share a little bit about yourself and and where your passion for uh, idaho community banks comes from
2: well i appreciate that uh, gotten to know the bankers association members over the last seven years and going through the the, the, the pandemic and the PPP process really brought home so many of those those feelings that a lot of us tend to forget about what banks do, what they don't do, what they stand for. And to watch these uh, professionals work diligently from home because we weren't in our offices, and to make sure that the state of Idaho stayed running uh, is just a, a story that can't, it's, it's really undertold, it's undersold and we can't tell it enough. Uh, but this, the, 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 the process, that the community bankers go through to make sure that their community stay alive, is just so important. Um, you know, in my bio, as was mentioned earlier, I did work for the car dealers association. You know, not so much your fairly reliable Bobs, but your Ford, Chevy, and Honda dealers of the world. You know, that was one of our selling points. Is you know they were the ones that donated the the scoreboards for the little league team and the, uh, donated the vehicles for the homecoming. Bankers are are very much in the same way, but they're also funding. Uh, the entire ballpark, not just this, not just the scoreboard for the little team. Uh, they're providing uh, jobs and they're they're dream creators for many people's entrepreneur aspirations. They're funding local government uh, when tax receipts uh, come short, uh, and not only that, uh, providing many jobs uh, that uh, are good, well-paying jobs uh, that uh, um, uh, last for a long time. And and it's just it's just a really undersold story. With the PPP process, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the Paycheck Protection Plan might not be everybody's favorite topic, but if you think about it from the standpoint that banks, specifically community banks uh, that we're talking about today, state chartered banks, we pushed out almost $4 billion in lending to our communities to keep Idaho going when people weren't at work, and it's just it's just so important. Uh, that wasn't money. Uh, that was... Given by the federal government and pushed out by banks, that was banks extending their own credit uh, and pushing that out there. Uh, and so, your question was, is "Where does my, my passion come from?" It's it's from seeing firsthand um, the, the the dedication and the process um, and the love for their community that these banks push out. And whether it's the smallest uh, two hundred person rural community that we may have a branch in, or you know here in Boise, uh, it, the same passion is is across um, across the board out there, and it's. Um, it's it's just um, it's an undersold, undertold story.
0: And and along those lines, here here it comes in the the IBA's role. Can can you share with the the Idaho consumer who the IBA who the IBA is and and what you do for Idaho state chartered institutions?
2: You bet. So the Idaho Bankers Association um, was created in. 1905. I think that we're uh, just one year younger than the Department of Finance. Uh, so I think the one of the first bank charters was uh, uh, Well, I know the first bank charter, I think are the oldest one still in existence was Ireland Bank. Uh, and then D.L. Evans came along and then shortly after the Department of Finance came along and then the bankers said, well, I think we probably better create an association to 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 help uh, and and to work with uh, with our regulators. Um, so the association has been around a long time. We had our First full-paid staff in the early seventies, and we've um, we've been on the ground ever since uh, with with that staff. Uh, my role uh, as the as the president of organization is is multiple at multiple hats. Uh, whether it's being the uh, the lobbyist over at the state house, uh, whether it's taking bankers to Washington D.C. to um, advocate on behalf of the banking association with our regulators, the FDIC, the OCC, the Fed. CFPB, a lot of other acronyms out there, uh, or working with our congressional delegation. Uh, We have an emerging leaders program. This year was our our first class of 23 students. Uh, We've had two cohorts, and the third one is coming up. And interestingly enough, Sal, we're we're on the verge of asking you to come speak to that emerging leaders group. That'll be in August. We've got an executive development program. For that mid-level management group that's maybe looking to further their career within the bank and what does that look like. And also the bank wants to test them to see uh, maybe uh, what uh, skills that they have deferred, if they want to also further promote them. And then we also work with um, uh, multiple graduate schools of banking, Pacific uh, Coast Banker School, Graduate School of Banking in Colorado, Madison, Stonier, to to help um, those bankers further their careers. And then lastly, uh, in the education space, we're beginning conversations with the uh, College of Business and Economics uh, here at Boise State to see what a, a, uh, a school of banking would look like, uh, being able to churn out anywhere from 50 to 85 bankers a year with uh, automatic jobs kind of at the end of their school curriculum. Uh, it's a need from the labor side of it, uh, from all the financial institutions that are out there, not just banks, uh, but it's a real opportunity, I think, for many students, whether they're uh, uh, younger students or middle-aged students that have gone back to school later on in life. Banking provides a career uh, second to none in many ways. It's very long-lasting. It pays well. Uh, you're you're around, you know, bright, um, bright-minded people that are really community-involved. Uh, and I think that uh, whenever we have those meetings where we invite people to come learn about banking, they're always packed. So uh, that one's a little bit more um, lengthy in time for getting uh, brought to the to the, to the forefront, but we are trying to come up with the, a school of banking in Idaho. And interestingly enough, when we started those conversations with the College of Business and Economics, uh, they are unaware, and we're unaware of any other industry that has gone to BSU and said, you know, through this particular college, you know, can you create a specific business plan or action plan or school that uh, churns out um, a, a product like this. And so we're really proud of at least being the first and trying to do something. A uh, lot of questions that need to be answered between here and then, but um, I think it's an, an important thing to mention. And then I think last but not least, we we do a lot of uh, uh, political activity in addition to the government affairs advocacy component of it. We have a, a federal political action committee, we have a state political action committee on behalf of pro-business minded uh, leaders, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, it doesn't really matter to us. So we do a lot. Uh, the last thing I'll mention here is the Bankers Association is just three people. Uh, and so uh, between that, we all wear a lot of hats uh, and just can't say enough about my staff that's out there. They do an amazing job, and I'm very happy that they're, they're part of the team.
0: So how do you have find how do you find time to do anything else? It sounds like your plate's rather full. Uh,
2: <laughs> that that that's a great question. Uh, I, I enjoy what I do. Uh, I've got a wonderful family, and they're they're pretty understanding of my time. But uh, there's a lot of opportunities for downtime and, and family time as well. So don't don't feel too sorry for me for being busy. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right now is a good time to talk about what a community bank is and how is that different from other financial institutions.
2: Great question, and we actually have a very uh, in-depth marketing campaign to, to articulate what those differences are. Anybody right now can go to Idaho.Bank uh, and look up a lot of answers to your questions about what the differences are between a large bank, a regional bank, a community bank, a credit union, farm credit. Uh, there's a multitude of different financial institutions out there. I think that we're focused primarily on community banks and what a community bank means uh, to Idahoans out there through this this marketing campaign, uh, we have had this idea for probably about a decade. Um, my predecessor um, that ran the association got it started, and we've really brought it to fruition. But uh, we went to all of the the, in, the the banks out there that we define as community banks. They're not only just state chartered institutions, which you're in charge of, Sal, but uh, those institutions who have um, deposits uh, less than 3 billion uh, in the state of Idaho's borders qualify for community bank status with the, with the Idaho Bankers Association. And so we went to those 15 banks and we asked them to participate financially in a marketing campaign that would, uh, that, would, that would that was measurable, that had metrics, that's something that we could show them. And believe it or not, we got 100% support. We didn't get it overnight. It took a lot of road trips and a lot of talking and a lot of demonstration. Uh, but we did get their support and, and the, uh, the, the marketing campaign's aim is if I walked out of, uh, out of out of this um, this podcast right now and on the street and, and asked the first person I walked up to, what's the difference between a, a community bank and a, and a regional bank and a large bank, I, I, I can't imagine too many people would would know or or they'd give you kind of a random answer. The goal of our marketing campaign after five years is that we'll ask that same question and through the education, uh, either on social media, through the website or wherever ad other advertising mediums. It, it'll really uh, show the differences in their answers and in what the what a community bank means and what it, it may not mean uh, and the benefits. And, and ultimately, that education is out there to help lengthen the road for a community bank in Idaho uh, into the future, but also to allow... Um, clients, customers, constituents, whatever the right name is for it, uh, to make better educated decisions on what they're doing with their hard-earned money right now and where they want to put it, what they want to invest in, uh, and and how they want to work with uh, with their banker uh, moving forward. So we're really proud of it. Please check it out. It's uh, Idaho.Bank. Uh, but you can also go to, to Instagram.com uh, slash CommunityBank and Facebook.com CommunityBank. We, we've got them all. I tried to get community.bank for a URL, but believe it or not, there's a private company in Australia that bought that, and they're not really ready to give it up, and what they offered to sell it to me for was way too much of an asking price, but uh, the goal was to make it a a regional campaign. We pitched this idea to the national associations in Washington, D.C. We've gotten a lot of support for it, Um, instead of the national associations promoting community bank campaigns on a national level, we've, we've advocated that maybe a regionalization is probably a better approach. We can share the metrics, we can share the data, we can share the information, uh, and I think it's going to be a better product. And since we started this marketing campaign on what a community bank is and why you should believe in them, the first week in February, um, for starters, our goal uh, in a year was 2.7 million views. Uh, we hit 1.3 million in the first 85 days, and of the 1.3 million, we had 94% completion rate of the marketing and advertising materials that we put out there. And that's that's pretty good, pretty good numbers. So uh, about a penny per click uh, on our spend. So we're very judicial uh, with uh, the spending of the banker's money that they're giving us. We're getting good, good rate uh, and uh, viewership and good rate turnover on it. So. I think it's an effective campaign, and I think it's going to pay dividends for our community banks and for our state. And uh, hopefully you'll be seeing some of that information at the Department of Finance uh, soon, Sal. So um, uh, now there is a difference between community banks and state chartered banks, uh, but uh, uh, I think one and in, one in the same, they still are after the same goal, which is to serve their community.
0: You'd mentioned earlier, uh, you brought up a name, Ireland Bank. And uh, I think this is a good segue uh, to talk about the fact that Ireland Bank was the first state chartered bank in Idaho in 1892. Uh, there have been a lot of things that have changed in Idaho since 1892. Uh, I can think of only a couple, maybe my phone being one of them. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what has, how has the industry evolved since that time? And then the
2: follow-up is how has it stayed the same? What a a great question. Well, for starters, um, the CEO of Ireland Bank, Bruce Lowry, is the the chairman of my board of directors for the Idaho Bankers Association. And Bruce is an excellent individual. He runs an amazing bank. They're in a lot of communities uh, that are very small and only served by Ireland Bank. They have been around for seemingly ever in the state of Idaho. I think looking at uh, the evolution of, of, of banking in that time, it's, it's changed significantly. And, and one of the biggest changes is, is the, the regionalization of, of the, of the branch banking. In other words, um, you know, when DL Evans set out to, to create uh, banking, they, they, you know, I think there was a dozen or so and they all had different names and they all had different directors and they all had different asset and deposit uh, thresholds and requirements. And now that's, that's really not a case. And except for maybe a, a few States that are out there, it's uh uh, uh the regionalization of a bank within a state is is probably one of the, the biggest changes uh the addition of untold pages of regulations whether they be the department of finance regulations whether they be federal regulations uh those are the biggest changes uh you know just just to have some 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 obvious ones um banking is one of the most regulated industries uh in the nation out there and, you know as it should be we're taking people's hard earned money and we're uh, and and we're we're watching it for them uh, and, and moving forward with it. I think some of the other changes are uh, are interesting with um, fintech and what's happening with digital currency, digital assets, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency. Right. Nobody would have thought in the in the early 1890s of of, of, of or could even contemplate what that is. Right. Uh, it was it was very simple, just the the, uh, the receivership of those deposits and moving forward. Uh, FD, FDIC insurance wasn't invented back then. So you were really hoping that the bank wouldn't get robbed uh, in many ways. Um, funny story, when I took over the Bankers Association, you used to walk into our office and there's an old Western photo right on the right on the main entrance of a bank robbery. I never got that. That, that photo went uh, by the wayside with them at the first month I was there. But uh, uh, so FDIC insurance, but back to the, the FinTech and the digital assets and the cryptocurrency, um, we're getting into a space now that banks are, are going to be able to take a digital asset that somebody owns, whether that's an NFT or a currency or some sort of other crypto, um, really uh, non-fungible token of some type, uh, they'll be able to securitize it through a bank and collateralize it and be able to lend against it in the near future. Just this last year, we passed the first set of definitions of what a digital asset is in the state of Idaho and defined it as personal property for taxation purposes might not be what everybody wants to hear from the tax side of the discussion, but at least now you're able to do something with it other than uh, online spending or, or, you know, what your mythical worth may be. Um, It's interesting to note this morning, I thought, uh, you know, they said in the last six months, Bitcoin's worth has dropped, you know, uh, like 55, 53%, uh, you know, so uh, even, even the the digital currency space right now is, is, um, you know, uh, taking a beating from the market and, it's more normalized I think than people were ready to accept just maybe six months or 12 months ago as far as its involvement in the uh, the economy right now uh, some of the things that have made may have stayed the same with community banks uh, over the last uh, hundred and thirty hundred and forty years would be just the the commitment to service the commitment to culture um, and uh, and providing those opportunities in, in the community it, I sound like a broken record when I talk about it, but in so many ways, that's that's really what these banks—that that's that their bread and butter, right? They, they have to evolve to stay relevant, uh, but but ultimately, it's it's about providing the value to the community, taking those deposits and lending it back into the community, so the communities can grow and people can have their their dreams um, realized.
0: Can you speak about the impact the community banks have on local communities, and perhaps provide a few examples? Uh,
2: it's just being able. To work with that municipality and lend them back the money that they need to keep going, uh, I think in in many ways um, infrastructure is is a is a good one. Um, infrastructure means different things in the state of Idaho. Whether you're here in Ada County or maybe up north, where uh, rural broadband isn't uh, as prevalent, or some of our rural areas where where broadband isn't uh, as prevalent, so. Uh, um working with the community to make sure that that those those projects get funded get funded in a timely fashion um would be would be a great example of, of community um you know building that that, that all banks get involved in at, at many levels it's just as important to them whether they're a small bank a medium bank or a large bank as as it would be to, to the the customer or the, the citizen out there that really needs that
0: in what ways do Idaho businesses uh, benefit from a relationship with a community bank?
2: I think that the answer is the, the, the completeness that the community bank brings to the discussion of what the business may need. I think a lot of savvy business owners can find information from A to Z and it's, it's multiple vendors, m- multiple efforts, multiple discussions. I think that truly you can work with a, a community banker who is part of the community, and they'll be able to give you the full story from from A to Z. Uh, we have so much real estate lending and development lending that's going on in Idaho, in in just about every county, right? Uh, and that's a good example. Uh, you need to be practicing your 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 business borrowing um, uh, endeavors with with a community banker that's there and knows how to structure that deal, what what they've seen, what they haven't seen. And I think that ultimately it's going to provide a better product uh, in this business sense, especially, especially on the, the development side. Uh, I've heard that story um, many times where um, business leaders have, have gone out and, you know, we used to be at the bank, then we, we went away from the bank, we saw what we we're missing and we came back and we're so much more happier. It may not always be the most uh, Cost-effective decision to make, but ultimately they're more happy because the, the the product is better at the end, and the decisions that they're they're arriving at are, are much more thought out. Um, and I think they're arriving at where they want to be at the end of their project and their business decisions.
0: We spent some time talking about banking and and even individuals having accounts and businesses having a relationship with a financial institution. Uh, there is a subset of of Idaho consumers and, and consumers nationally, for that matter, that, that have a savings account or a checking account, but may not qualify for a loan or, or, or a checking account for that matter. And we, we term that underbanked. And then there's another subsect that falls along those lines where they just, for whatever reason, whatever uh, life event or financial event that happened in their life, they, they, they cannot get access to the banking system. Can you speak a little bit to what what are Idaho community banks doing in that regard and what can they do to reach the underbanked
2: and the unbanked? Uh, Fantastic question. Actually, just uh, was on a webinar this morning, as I mentioned, with the FDIC talking about this very topic. And I think for starters, if I'm if I'm communicating directly with the community bankers out there, is advocate work through your social media platforms. Um, hashtag Get Banked is out there. Hashtag Get Banked dash dash uh, ESP uh, for um, uh, you know our our Spanish speaking population that's uh, that's in, in in Idaho. I think just getting them more informed of what opportunities are out there from a the social media front very easy to do. Go back to what I was talking about with the community bank mark- marketing. If the Idaho Bankers Association is able to get as many views in the first 85 days as I mentioned, I know that these banks can do it with their amazing marketing teams that are out there. But other things that community banks are doing are, are kind of twofold. One, through the Bankers Association, we have been advocating at the State House, along with a lot of the ag producer, lobbyists, and interest groups that are, that are at the State House for driver's uh, identification cards for our, our uh, undocumented population. Again, yeah, not the most popular topic uh, at the state house, as you can imagine. Uh, but our, our undocumented population serves a very vital role in our community, like it, like it or not. Um, but they're sending a lot of their paycheck monies, not only out of the state, but out of, out, of the, out of the United States and sending it home. And they're doing that for many reasons. But the number one reason is because they can't get a bank account. They cannot show up without identification know your customer is not being met as one of the, the regulations that are, that are on the bank and open account and put that money and be able to spend it within the community through uh, whatever, whatever measure they want to spend it by. And so we have uh, advocated and will continue to advocate that there needs to be driver's identification cards issued in the state of Idaho for our undocumented population. Uh, not only so they can get back to, you know, they can be, uh, I don't know if we use the word regulated, but when they're driving, they can be more accounted for on our roads and held accountable in, 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 in situations which they're already driving for. Uh, but also so they can provide that educate, that, uh, that, um, identification at the financial institution. So they're able to create a, a checking account, a savings account and move forward. Now we're not talking about being able to establish 529 plans for college for their kids or, or, uh, you know, st- you know state funded IRA accounts, which is another program that we're trying to get through uh, with Representative Rod Furness and the AERP. Just a simple checking account and savings account. so this money is not leaving our economy. So the undocumented population can get a bank account. That that's, couldn't be more at the heart of your question, is what are we doing? And I, the simple things of an identification card uh, is, is just very key. Um, on to other programs, there's the, the Bank On program, which is a, is a product uh, that uh, uh, allows community banks to uh, charge very low fees for uh, savings accounts for uh, um, the population that, that is underbanked in the state of Idaho, uh, provide a little bit of revenue to, back to the bank to administer and facilitate these accounts. Uh, but it comes with a lot of um, education for the unbanked population on why they should get in this atmosphere. So Bank On is a program that the Idaho Bankers Association supports and puts information out there. Um, I think that one of the things that we've seen is a tremendous amount of growth in the 44 counties since 2017, when the Bank On program was really rolled out through the end of 2021. The interactive maps that we've seen show that that uh, anybody who's within, uh, I think it's um, um, 20 or 30 miles of a, of a branch or a bank that offers these banked-on programs, we're seeing the the, the percentages of the unbanked population in Idaho really um, depreciate in, in many ways, uh, and it just uh, uh, obviously there's large swaths of nothing there because it's just federal lands in many ways, but. Uh, um, if, if people are close to a bank and the bank offers these bank on programs, the un- underbanked and unbanked population is really coming around and getting um, getting the services that they, they really need in many ways.
0: You, you mentioned a little bit about uh, these rural communities. Uh, in some communities, you have 200, 600 people and one financial institution. Uh, the department has. Over the, over the years, we, we receive phone calls from the community, community leaders, as a financial institution uh, folds up shop and, and, and leaves the community. And, and you know just as well as I do that uh, not only is having a financial institution in a rural community uh, a badge of honor, it's also the, the heart and the lifeblood of that local community. Uh, and and these, these community leaders to ask us, ask the Department of Finance, is there anything we can do, and and I and I guess I, I kind of turn that question over to, to, to the IBA and what what should communities do if, if they're seeing an exodus of financial institutions from their community, what, with with the full understanding that uh, part of the reason a financial institution leaves has to deal with economics. If if a if a if a branch location is not profitable, there. It has to make business sense for both sides.
2: It's a very great question. Uh, we had our Bankers Association Board of Directors just last week, and this topic came up very thoroughly. And the answer is is they need to get in touch with us, get in touch with uh, other community leaders, and build more, m- more momentum for a different tra- tax structure for rural branch banking in the, in the state of Idaho it's a competitive issue with other financial institutions that are on a different tax structure, whether they be in the ag lending or in the retail space. And it's, but it's, it's an unpopular topic. Uh, I don't get the luxury of going to the Capitol and saying, you know, banks get a tax break and people don't just embrace me and say, that's the greatest idea since sliced bread. Usually when I talk about banks and tax policy, it's about, you know, where can we extract more pounds of flesh out of these, uh, these institutions. So, honestly the community leaders that are fearful that their branch is going to leave their community or it's already left and what can we do to bring it back advocacy on a better tax structure so a competitive fairness uh, elevation is reached uh, we have other financial institution classes that have that similar provision and we'd like to look at that we'd also like to look at uh, uh, and and could use help from our community leaders on some of our atm stat uh, statutes that we've got out there what does that look like uh, if we updated that to have more virtual teller machines. So if, you know, Bank X is leaving your community and they've been there for the last 50 years and you're left without a, a branch, um, is, 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 uh, is there a tax benefit? Is there a, a different structure? Or should we look at our ATM laws? So maybe a virtual machine uh, is left. You know, that's not everybody's answer uh, that they're going to like to hear. Uh, but as you mentioned, it's, a, it's an economic thing. Um, labor is an issue. Um, I'm sure many of you have been to a branch lately and, you know, you go in there and there's two people in there when there used to be a dozen, uh, you know, that's, that's not the bank being cheap. That's the bank just realizing there's a labor shortage and it's very expensive, uh, uh, to, to do so many things anymore. But, um, I think that we also have a, an issue with labor in these rural places with, uh, with people wanting to stick around as well. If, if the branch manager's been there for 20 years and you're the millennial trying to work your way up, I don't know that you have a lot of incentive to stay there for another decade when there's just nowhere to go. Uh, so you're going to move along. Those are all just multiple decisions that compound into this issue of why branches are, 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 are leaving communities that they've been in with for so long and why community leaders are struggling to find somebody to come take that spot. I, I field those phone calls all the time they're just, they're perplexed why somebody doesn't want to be in their community as a thriving community. That's not an easy discussion to have. First off, there's nothing I can do about it at the bankers association, except for on the advocacy and education side. Uh, but secondly, I would also take a look around in your community. And if you have other financial institutions that are still there, but your bank's not there, why is that? And in many ways it is the competitive issue with the tax structure that's different for banks. and sal if i could also say i think that there's also a lot of concern and fear especially from the municipal side of things about using uh uh you know your mobile uh apps your your bank apps that are out there instead of going in and and to the branch and i think uh, some more education could even come from the department of finance of of the security levels that are out there Um, you know taking a picture picture of your check and mobile deposit for example There's still a lot of, it's a high percentage of insecurity that's out there on this, on, on what that means and what it doesn't mean. I think that as, as our population, you know, ages out, that's going to change, but maybe we could do better at speeding that up with some education from the bankers association, from community leaders, from the department. I think that would help in many ways as well.
0: sounds like we have our fourth podcast.
2: (laughs) Excellent. Rural broadband. Uh, That's another big problem, Right. Uh, that would really help with this uh, this mobile deposit mobile banking situation as well.
0: Over the last 15 years, it, it, what it feels like is we've gone from crises to cri- from crisis to crisis. And there are always lessons learned and there are those individuals that adapt, they're flexible and and they they move with the market and and I believe our community banks have done that and uh, they they've stepped up to the plate when asked, when asked to, I, I think one of those key areas that, that our financial institutions don't get enough credit for is what was asked of them in April of 2020. Uh, th- and and subsequently when the cares act was passed, can you talk a little bit about what was happening during that time uh, and, and how Idaho community banks stepped up to the plate? Uh,
2: yeah, of course. I think, what they were being asked to do was to keep the economy running. Um, the biggest difference between the TARP program and the Great Recession and the CARES Act and PPP program during the pandemic was in the TARP program, the federal government transplanted dollars onto the balance sheets of all the banks and said, this is how you're gonna spend our money and we're gonna tell you how to do it. And the pandemic with the CARES Act and the PPP funding those were all dollars that were extended from the bank's balance sheets that they had to go either and purchase that money at a risk uh, from, from other bankers, banks, or other financial sources and extend that money. Uh, and they had to do it all from home. I think I made that comment at kind of the opening here. We were not at our branches. We were not at our headquarters. They were on laptops that had just been issued to them. They were struggling, just like you were, to get the virtual... Uh, you know, remote at uh, access to the server at the bank. They were doing it. Uh, you know, I I have this picture of somebody in their their robe sitting around their kitchen table. You know, but I'm that's that's exactly what it is. Uh, they were building their home offices uh, while they were managing their kids and trying to order, uh, you know, groceries to be delivered, just like everybody else. And they they managed to do that uh, and keep the state running and. It, it, that's, that's what they were up against. Um, many banks were able to, uh, uh, really grow and profit and benefit the communities from it. We have two, one bank that quadrupled its size in a little over a year. Uh, we, we had, uh, we had several banks that were already very strong in the small business administration lending process that really were able to, to benefit and shine from this and help, help, uh, um, people out in so many ways. Um, uh, that the, the, the PPP process, the CARES Act was just, was life-changing. And I think your comment of going from one crisis situation to the next, to the next is not lost on me. I think a lot of our banks are looking for a break. I think they'd like to just think that there's a, hopefully a, a better times ahead. Uh, and uh, it's just, it's just important. We also came up with Several other ideas that uh, the community bankers got involved with um, in working with the governor's task force uh, that was distributing the uh, the CARES Act money, which is different from the ARPA funds, right? The first tranche of money that was that was pushed out there that the states had to distribute, um, and uh, we we you know we were asked our opinion multiple times, uh, you know, and, and advised that that, that group. Uh, we tried to come up with a different plan from the standpoint of allowing small businesses to defer their loans to the bank uh, and allow uh, some of that CARES Act funding to reimburse the bank for the lost um, interest that was on that. Uh, that ultimately wasn't uh, something that the, um, uh, the, the, the committee the, that the governor put together uh, saw that they wanted to do. Uh, but we also fought back against other things. Uh, the treasurer's office wanted $75 million to further regulate banks and get into the space uh, that you are operating in. Uh, that was something that community banks fought back very fiercely. Uh, we don't need more regulation. I'm not advocating for less regulation, but we don't need more in a time when we're already pulling our weight and then some to help our communities.
0: What what do you see the banking industry
2: looking like in the next five to 10 years? I think that you're, quite frankly, going to see larger banks continue to get larger. Uh, I think that we have somewhere north of 5,500 banks in the United States. That's down from a little over 17 and a half thousand, say 35, 40 years ago, uh, give or take a few years. I don't think that that example is going to change anytime soon. And I'm, I'm not uh, advocating for it. I'm not a Debbie Downer about it either. I just think that it is what it is when we look at the growth of regulation, the cost of doing business, and the labor issue but I think community banks are going to continue to be community banks and serve their areas of interest very well in that time. I don't think that's a, a message of panic, that everybody needs to go out and start looking for the strongest community banks to put their deposits in by any means. I think that when you wake up in 60 months from now and, and we look at this question about what what you and I were talking about, about what community banking looks like, I think that we're still going to have those 15 community banks in Idaho that we do today, at least by our definition of it, plus the state charters, but I think by and large, they're going to see more consolidation. It's, it's a tough conversation to have when you've got uh, a board of directors that need to do the best for their bank, and if there's an offer on the table to be purchased and it's, it's, it's the right thing to do for the shareholders, then they have to enter into those discussions. And that's the part about banking, I think, is a, a lost a lot of times. That it is a private business. It is a, a business endeavor. Um, we don't see a lot of new banks popping up. I don't know. Have you have you had any applications come in recently, Sal? Possibly. Okay. Well, the, <laughs> yes. the point being is no. is you know it's it's not something that happens very often. Not very many people want to put in thirty to fifty million dollars into a a business endeavor and a 1% return over 10 years. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough business to get into. And so those banks that have made it this far are very strong. Uh, they've got a, a strong balance sheets They're they've got uh, good liquidity, and they're going to continue to be there. But we will continue to see consolidation, unfortunately. I think that the other thing to, com- to, to get into this uh, conversation about is the mobile banking apps, the digital space, the digital currency, the payments systems, the FedNow program that's coming along. Uh, it's all gonna. It's, it's all gonna be game changers for the financial institutions that are out there. Whether or not the the Federal Reserve gets a central bank digital currency up and running, uh, we are not advocates of a central bank digital currency. It removes deposits from the communities and puts those deposits squarely in the hands of the federal government for the for the the distribution of these digital currencies. Um, and uh, it's interesting on that conversation alone. Even the Federal Reserve isn't even on the same discussion page. You've got the Federal Reserve of The Fed uh, you know, Region Bank in San Francisco is still talking about Fed now, and you've got Fed in Boston talking about CBDC and betting their careers on it. So uh, a lot of things have to happen, but uh, we would be remiss if we just didn't say that a lot of things will also change in the payment systems. And I think you're going to see a lot of banks, um, you know, double down on their technology spend to be able to adapt to it because it's it's what the consumers are looking for. Uh, Maybe not in all the rural parts of Idaho, but uh, Many of the consumers that are moving here, many of the consumers that are on the younger generation, they don't go to the branch anymore. They don't deal in checks. They don't even deal in cash. Uh, and the and and the financial institutions know that, and they're they're gearing up for that in many ways. Those are the changes you're going to see in addition to uh, branch numbers and consolidation.
0: Are there any misconceptions about a community bank that you'd like to address, or or any final thoughts you have for our listeners?
2: Boy, if you still think it's. Uh, a man or a woman walking around in a pinstripe suit and, and ties. I'm telling you what, that, that, that's just not what I see. And, and the, <laughs> the pandemic even put a, a more thorough pin in that, uh, I haven't seen a tie. I mean, I'm wearing one right now, but it's cause I had some other meetings earlier, but, uh, these are just laid back, ordinary people in your community. These are your neighbors. These are the, their kids go to school with your kids. They're just normal. Uh, and I think that the more that you you get to know that, and the more that you, you, you want to talk with them and be a part of it, you're going to find that they really are very honest, very trustworthy people. Um, there's a reason that there's things that they can't tell you. The regulations say that they can't talk. Uh, and it's very misguided and many times I think that they get a, a bad rep on, they make decisions that may not be popular with the borrower. But there's reasons and there's risk and there's decisions that come into those uh, decisions um, uh, that, that people they're just never going to understand, right? And so uh, I think your your question was what are misconceptions and and I just think that I shouldn't say I think I know that it's 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 not about the dollar at the end of the day every time and and they're not walking around in pinstripe suits they're not greedy individuals they're 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 good Americans they're your neighbors and you just get to know them and, and and worry about yourself a little bit more sometimes and things are going to be okay
0: well well thank you for your time trent it's it, it's been enlightening and i always enjoy talking to you and and, and listening when what you have to say in, in your perspective uh, with that said i'll turn it back over to celia
1: thank you i'd like to also thank sal and trent for uh, these talking points today i know that uh, it's laid a great foundation for consumers and even local businesses and communities to further their understanding of what these local community banks are um, and the benefits that they that they bring along with them. Um, so with that, I will just uh, close out and uh, look forward to our future episodes.
0: We want to thank you for joining us for our production of Insights at the Idaho Department of Finance. We'd love to hear from you and learn more about the ideas and topics that are on your mind. Forward your suggestions and feedback to our email address, finance at finance.idaho.gov.